Hello, 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 hello. Welcome to the 22nd edition of Where They At. My name is Nabate Isles, and it's always a pleasure to feature wonderful sports personalities, mostly athletes, coaches, uh, executives that are retired and have wonderful stories, reflections, and also share their insight on what made them excellent. This gentleman wasn't an athlete, but he exudes excellence when it comes to what he has done with sports television, as well as sports research, information, and production. This gentleman was the lead researcher and later coordinating producer for ESPN for 26 years. Also, he did work with Fox Sports as well as Sports Jeopardy, which aired on Crackle and NBC Sports Network. But what he's known for is being the brilliant sports trivia mind who reigns supreme in the popular ESPN game show, Stump the Schwab, where I actually met him. It is my pleasure and honor to feature this gentleman who I call my friend as well, Mr. Howard Schwab. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Nabate. Great to see you. And, I, uh, and I, Yes, I consider you a very good friend, even though the truth is you beat me on Stump the Schwab. I do uh, remember that. Uh, That's okay. I gave you three boxing questions. That was the dumbest thing I did. <laughs> in 80 shows but that's okay Uh, i lost 16 times and you're one of the well it's more it's actually 15 individuals i believe uh, 14 individuals Uh uh-huh uh-huh but 16 times i was 64 and 16 but you stumped me you beat me well power to you i shook your hand give you credit and uh we've been friends since yes sir life is supposed to be fun and i've had fun and I've been working in sports for 40 years. 40 my years. my 40th year. Wow. Going back to when I started at College of Pro Football News Weekly in 1980. And wow. I'm lucky. I'm blessed because even though we don't have much to talk about sports-wise now, there's still plenty to talk about in terms of the history and yes. life and some of the things I'm going to be doing in the future. And everything's great. I can't complain. And that's what we're definitely going to in, get into for sure. And, and sir, like, and, and it's amazing. Your record at, on uh, Stump to Schwab is six, 64 wins and 16 losses, right? Correct. Like, exactly yeah. 80%, which is pretty funny. but <laughs> Yes, indeed. And that, that's amazing. That's just amazing how, how you have so many different competitors and so many, like, you know, people that, that have that hot shot mentality and everything like that, you know, when they come into it. <laughs> oh, there were, there were a few who definitely bragged and a couple of them did beat me and so be it. Uh, my attitude was if I win, I win, I lose, I lose. Let me have fun. Well, wow, no. I had a great time and Stuart Scott, unfortunately, yes. passed away. God rest his uh, soul. He was one of the great people to work with ever. And I had a great relationship with him. And the people who worked on the show were fantastic. And I still talk to some of them. And, uh, well, you know, life is good, period. No doubt about that. And I know you've had such a rich life. And I want to congratulate you on your next chapter uh, with you uh, and your upcoming venture with Clickstream and the fact that you're hosting and also, I'm sure, developing uh, the content for their new sports trivia app. Please tell the audience more about that. Well, I'm really excited. The uh, app is going to be called WinQuick, W-I-N-Q-U-I-K, from Clickstream. And uh, Brian Baldinger and I, Brian Baldinger, the ex-NFL player who's been on NFL Network, he and I are going to be two of the hosts. And uh, we've been working really hard on this project. 
Uh, I've been writing questions. In fact, I'll give you a few practice ones a little later to see how you do and give you an idea of how this is going to work. You answer 10 questions correctly, you have a shot at winning good prizes, good money, uh, beating out other competitors. And we want it to be fun. I'm going to make sure it's fun. I'm going to make sure it's not easy. Yeah. Uh, some people will probably be annoyed at me. Oh, that's too tough a question. Sorry. You want to win money? You got to get it right. Not yes. going to be easy. I mean, there'll be a few easy questions like, uh, what college did Michael Jordan go to? I mean, I'm sure. <laughs> no, I know you're not going to, it's not going to be that easy. Come on, Swab. <laughs> well, that may be one of the 10. All right. You, you want me to give you an example here? I, okay. I pulled a couple. Okay, for sure. Which of the following pitchers did not win 300 games in his major league career? Okay. Randy Johnson, Bob Feller, Tom Glavin, Gaylord Perry. Uh, Randy Johnson and, and Bob Feller. No, there's only one right answer. Randy Johnson did. The correct answer is Bob Feller. I'll, I'll, I'll oh, give you a break. I forgot that RJ did win 300 yes, it's, yes. because he came up in the error, Howie. Yep. Of pitchers not reaching that anymore. Not getting enough games. But yeah, he, yeah. He pitched long enough, he did. Mm -hmm. Okay, let me try this one. Uh, as my eyes are going on me. Which of the following teams did not win at least five Super Bowls? This is easy to me. Oh, yeah. Niners, Packers, Cowboys, Steelers. Packers. That was easy. There you yeah. go. <laughs> okay, one more, just for the fun of it. Mm -hmm. Which of the following players did not win NL MVP in the 90s? Barry Bonds, Jeff Bagwell, Barry Larkin, Andre Dawson. Andre Dawson, yeah. <laughs> You're ready, man. You've you got to get on the app. You're ready. Got to have fun, man. But yes. it, it's that simple. You get 10 questions right, you have a shot at winning the money. And uh, I think it's going to be a hot thing. I think people will love it. Mm -hmm. uh, if they want more info, Clickstream is listed on the stock market at CLIS. And uh, I'm really happy with the people I'm involved with in this. It's a lot of fun and uh, we'll have a good time. That's, you know, uh, hopefully this can give a little relief and, and people can play and just enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. And also, too, it gives them a chance to research and, and, and really be able to, to get into their history, to yeah, delve you, you into learn. their I mean, history. you're right. Yeah. Uh, people told me after Stump the Schwab, hey, we learned a lot from that show. Mm -hmm. And adding to sports knowledge and just adding the knowledge in general, why not? I mean, that, that works for me. Yeah, no doubt about that. And we're going to talk a lot of history, as I mentioned, uh, later on in the show. But I wanted to ask you, too, you did some great things because you're based down in Fort Lauderdale and, and Florida Atlantic University. You did a Facebook Live with four of their coaches. Talk more about that. That was only a month ago, basically. Yes, well, I've done a few things with Florida Atlantic. I have good, good friends over there who've been very nice to me. Mm -hmm. They give me free tickets to basketball and football. So. Uh, <laughs> bottom line is... Uh, we did a, stump, a, a Schwab show with Willie Taggart, the football coach, mm -hmm. Coach McCormick, the baseball coach, Dusty May, the basketball coach, Joan, Joan Joyce, the softball coach. Mm -hmm. it, it was great. It went down to overtime. Then we did a second one with four of their Hall of Fame athletes, Alfred Morris, the running back. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, Redskin, Cowboy, et cetera. Uh -huh. 
Uh, Rusty Smith was a quarterback uh, who was yes. back up in Tennessee. That's right. Uh, we had uh, Chris Sutcliffe, a softball player who was very good, who also is now the Northern Illinois softball coach. Mm-hmm. And we had Jeff Fiorentino, who played for the Orioles and White Sox. Oh, okay. And in a major upset, Chris Sutcliffe, who said, quote, I probably won't get any of these right, won the show. <laughs> it was great. She answered like 13 questions. Uh, it was pretty wild. It was a fun time, though. Wow. And actually, we're talking to Florida Atlantic about doing one more with either boosters or fans. Uh, we'll see. Yes. That may happen in the next few weeks. We'll see what happens with that. And, uh, and I also spoke to Florida Atlantic's uh, sports management class. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Reardon, who I went to St. John's with 42 years ago. Uh, oh, God, I'm old. Uh, Jim Reardon uh, invited me, and I spoke to the class for an hour and 15 and had a great time with that. And uh, I believe in giving back, so it's all good. Jim Reardon, that name. JR used to work for the Mets, used to work for the Philadelphia Yes. I think you've crossed paths. Yes. Yes, I remember um, who someone mentioned. Did he do some work? With Dan O'Brien, maybe? Because I remember one of my past guests mentioned yes, Jim Reardon maybe, with Dan maybe. O'Brien. Yes, yes, yes. I believe so. Uh-huh. Yep, that's right. That's right. Yeah, Dan, Dan O'Brien on, on episode 15 of, of where they at mentioned Jim Reardon as someone well, that you he worked with. Yeah, yeah. So awesome. What goes around comes around. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Wow. Here on the 22nd version of where they at with the great Howard Schwab, uh, great uh, trivia expert, producer, uh, just a great guy from the standpoint of of like really accentuating sports and how how we relate to sports and how we how we get involved in sports since we're not athletes for sure yeah. <laughs> you know but but, but no <laughs> <laughs> but well but growing up you grew up in, in Long Island and yes. um and and who were your sports idols growing up uh, especially you grew up in a great time with a lot of like athletes iconic athletes that still resonate to this day. Well, one of my favorite athletes was always Hank Aaron. Yes. I thought Hank Aaron was a great, great athlete who at times uh, didn't get enough credit for all the things he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, between base stealing, fielding, uh, obviously the power because of the 714 passing Babe Ruth was a big deal. But he did so many things well, and I, I really appreciated him watching him play. Uh, I enjoyed uh, John McEnroe as a tennis player. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. I enjoyed uh, the Islanders when they won the four Stanley Cups. Uh, I was always a big Giant fan. I'm wearing an Eli Manning jersey, though I don't think you can see it that well. Oh, yes, Eli. It looked like the jersey jersey from um, Super Bowl, uh, the the, the second time they defeated. Yes, yes. Maybe. I knew you'd nail it. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, the – the thing about sports for me growing up, uh, I love sports in early age. The first baseball game I went to, I was age four. Mm-hmm. I went to a Met Cub game and a Met Dodger game within a couple of weeks. My dad was great. And we had a great time, and that got me going. I really enjoyed that. And, uh, I've enjoyed uh, a lot. College basketball is probably my favorite sport. Mm-hmm. And back growing up, I went to St. John's a few times for games. and. Uh, then I went to the school, and I remember my freshman year, there were 
many great moments. Uh, Danny Ainge had a ridiculous game against St. John's, and Reggie Carter got us through, and uh, St. John's beat BYU. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember going to the Final Four back in 85. That's oh yes, not early, but uh, St. John's, Georgetown, Villanova, Memphis. Mm-hmm. And of mm-hmm. course, Patrick Ewing, when it, Chris Mullen. When they were Memphis those, State. When they were Memphis yep, State. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. Uh, very memorable times. Uh, going to Lexington for that was very special. Uh, going to, before that, to Denver. People forget St. John's beat NC State with Jimmy Valvano mm-hmm. uh, to get to the Final Four. Yes. So, uh, I was lucky enough to go out there for, for that. And also they beat Kentucky with Joe B. Hall right before they beat NC State. And yeah. those, those were in Denver. And I had a great time with that. So those were memorable moments. I mean, I've had a lot of memorable moments up in the Super Bowls, World Series. Yes, yes. And what, what, was the, what was the most memorable moment that you saw from any of the classic games that you were there live? Because we see, you know, classic endings happen on yep. television, but you were live for a lot of them. Which, which was the game that, that is like that's, – that's you know, that the there, there, there are two. Mm-hmm. One is Villanova, Georgetown. Okay. Because yep. Villanova, what they did that night, and a lot of people did not like Georgetown. Uh, I was so happy for Ollie Massimino and Eddie Pinkney and all those guys. Mm-hmm. The other one's easier. Uh, I was there for game six of the uh, World Series. Oh, 86. Yep. yep. <laughs> all going through Buckner's legs. Yes. That was one of the loudest moments. And I, what's amazing is before that, in the top half of the inning, when Dave Henderson hit the home run, mm-hmm. you could hear a pin drop. Right. You literally could hear a pin drop. You heard the ball hit off, off, the, uh, off the scoreboard. The Newsday. The Newsday scoreboard. So yeah, the Newsday. loud. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, my God. It's like someone stuck a knife in your back. Yeah. And then to see them rally and win the game, and uh, it was amazing. And the Buckner error, I feel bad for Bill Buckner, the way he got Chaz. I mean, he made an error. It- okay. And Howie, and, and the, the thing was that I'm tired of people blaming Buckner because really it was it was it was it was um John McNamara not putting in. I think Stapleton was the backup first baseman yep, yep. as a defensive replacement. He wanted Buckner to be on the field to celebrate. Fine, but you have you can't do that. You have to think logically. You know. Also, another thing: the relief pitching was terrible. The wild pitch and Between giving up three, and Stanley three three two out hits three. Two strike, excuse me, two two out, two strike hits they gave up. Yep. That was horrible. So they should get the blame. It was a collection. It was a series of errors that made that. It's made that easy happen. to blame one person because he made a mistake. And he had bum knees. He had bum knees. Yep. And yep. unfortunately, that terrorized Bill Buckner for almost the rest of his life. And he passed away. It was a year or two ago. But yeah. Uh, Bill Buckner was a hell of a player. I mean, yes. he had more, more hits than Babe Ruth. People realize that. I mean, <laughs> right. yeah, hello. Uh, I mean, Bill Buckner had some great years, and yet people remember him just for that one error. I think people let up a little bit now the last few years, but uh, after it happened, it was awful because Boston fans were so upset that they couldn't win their World Series. And then finally they did and a few times. But, hey, bottom line, uh, people remember a lot of things, and that game was unbelievable. Oh, and the Villanova-Georgetown, those two were my two 
incredible moments. And, and it showed um, how the New York Mets, the 1986 Mets, because it was so easy. The season was easy. They won the division by like 23 games or something like that. It was an easy season. Then they had two life and death situation series, you know, with the Astros. Really, they yep. led three to two, but they could not go into game seven yep. facing the Cy Young Award winner, Mike Scott. Correct. And, and they, they showed how we – that's why that team is one of the greatest of all time. They were gamers, and they were and not, game not front runners. And game six against the Astros was unbelievable. Right. I mean, right. They showed three nothing. Amazing. That could have gone either way. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Long game, but, hey, bottom line, that's why we love sports. Yes, yes, sir. And it shows, and it shows like, because there are other teams, they have other great teams that won even more games, more better winning percentages that showed that they had no heart to come back when they but got hit. You know hit what? Enough. That Med team in 86 was a great team. Mm-hmm. When you consider all the different talent between a Gary Carter, between a Keith Hernandez, between the pitching, between a Kevin Mitchell, uh, and they were very different guys. I mean, there were so many different individuals. Mm-hmm. working together to, to win. And uh, I have great memories of that team. And yes, great sir. Great memories of that game. Yes, sir. They had youth, prime, and vets. That does the perfect yeah. combination for championships, you know, for sure. Well, what, one championship. They should have won more, but yep. that's, that's a whole other thing. But, wow, here with Howie Schwab on the 22nd edition of Where They At. My name is Debate Isles. And Howie, now you started with ESPN in 1987. Well, actually, Pro Football, uh, Pro Football Weekly and everything. Talk about your ascension through sports media and really building your name and, and the philosophy you had in researching and, and deep being involved in detail-oriented assignments. Well, College and Pro Football News Weekly, which was a, a nice little publication, uh, to me was very important because it taught me time management. It taught me the skill of making sure of accuracy. And so that was very important before I went to ESPN. Mm-hmm. When I went to ESPN, ESPN was still, it wasn't in its infancy, but it was, it was early on. Yeah. And I, I thought it needed some help in terms of making sure that uh, we, we went to another level uh, in terms of thinking about sports, mm-hmm. uh, trying to give reasons why things were happening, uh, give more information to fans. To, to start debates, to start discussions. Uh, but accuracy was so important. Uh, I used to check graphics and check information and try to give information. And uh, research to me was very important. Mm-hmm. If you can give people ideas of what's going on and why it's going on and how it's going on, uh, information is king. So uh, I think that was helpful. and. Then I was asked to do Stump the Schwab, and I said, okay, I win, I win, I lose, I lose, I'll have fun. I got to meet you. That was fun. Yes, sir. One of my favorite musicians of all time, the Bate Isles. Wow. Very very talented young man on the other end of this Zoom. uh, I I always thought also have fun, and I also had a good work ethic. I didn't mind that early on in my career – if I had a day off, I'd come in and cut highlights because we were, may have been short a few days. Or I may have worked a 20-hour day if I had to. Mm-hmm. Whatever it takes. 
and I tried not to say no. Uh, so a lot of times in my career, I did things people thought I was probably crazy. One time we did uh, ESPN The Weekend, which I had a great time at down in Orlando. And they asked me to do 18 shows in three days, six shows a day. So it was like seven, eight hours of work. I said, okay, that's what I have to do. I win, I win, I lose, I lose. And I, I took it a little lightly. I, I lost a few times I shouldn't have. But uh, I was just having fun. So that's the bottom line. Just enjoy life. Just have fun. And I think happiness is the most important thing in life. Some people would argue money. I disagree. I think yes. if you're making a lot of money and you're not happy, what good is it? That's if right. I have friends who worked on Wall Street. Oh, we're making tons of money, but we hate what we're doing. You hate what you're doing, then why are you doing it? So my advice to youngsters who want to get in the sports field, go for it, enjoy it, but be happy. Make sure you're happy with what you're doing. If you're going to try to get in the sports and you get in a sport you don't like, why are you doing that? So uh, bottom line is happiness is the most important thing in life. Yes, sir. There's no question. And also what you show, too, is being a team player. That's what it's about as well. You know, it, like looking at the greater goal, the greater purpose of the group, of the collective. Well, I, I've got to say this. The best part of ESPN was the people. I still have a lot of great friends who left there. I have a lot of great friends who are still there. And, and the people made ESPN special. The work together, the teamwork, the knowledge that everyone had a great attitude to try to get things accomplished, uh, to do some different things. Uh, there were challenges and people were not afraid. I'll, I'll tell you one quick story. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite moments at ESPN. Iowa played Hawaiian football, a late night game. SportsCenter was not going to have production assistants cutting the highlights for that game. I told someone, Hawaii's got a shot at upsetting them. I was a top 10 team. Uh, there was one person who actually picked them number one in the country. Mm -hmm. And I said, Hawaii's got a shot. Bob Wagner's a pretty good coach, and I wouldn't be shocked. Well, we, I said, wait a second here. Uh, I'll stay and cut the, cut the highlights. Five or six people stayed. We watched the whole game. We marked down plays. We went to an editor, cut the highlights at five in the morning. Sports Center had their highlight. Hawaii with Jason Elam kicking the winning field goal upsets Iowa. 99 out of 100 people would not have that. Most newspapers would not have that. But we had that. And then we went out and celebrated at Denny's. Yeah, <laughs> Denny's. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. Wow. And and how we I, I wanted to ask you about now, you know, we're in a whole different world when it comes to information and how we receive information. So in the late 80s, there was no World Wide Web. There was nothing like that at all. There was basically encyclopedias, like physical books that you had to look up stats. Now, how were you able to really, because you really set the tone for sports research and how accurate and how detailed it had to be. How were you able to do that to get stats for certain games or certain situations that happened from books so quickly? And, and how, how? 
Well, we had box scores. We saved box scores and files. We called colleges to get updated stats. Uh, it was very difficult. It was mm. it, things that take you five minutes today took us an hour back then. Mm. But it, it was an hour we had to use to, to get stuff. And it was a challenge. I mean, before the World Wide Web, before the internet, folks, <laughs> it, it was a different world. It definitely was. And you had to keep a lot of papers. You had to figure things out. You had to do a lot of the math uh, compared to today where you can go on a college basketball team uh, school's website and get st- the box scores for five games in two seconds mm. and go, okay, when they do the last five games, boom, 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 boom. That's why this is happening. Oh, they have a five-game losing streak. Here's why. They shot this, this, and this in those five games. Boom. And there's your graphic. Uh, back then, oh, no, it was a lot different. You're right. And it was, it was difficult. But uh, we had good people working on the projects. And uh, everyone was very happy with SportsCenter. We had a lot of good information. And uh, I think that made it a better product. Well, yes, indeed. And also, also another thing, organization of all those papers, you know, that's important organize because you have so much cl- not cl- clutter is a bad word because it's information and, 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 and things that you need, you know, so it's not I'm clutter. But- to turn this around and show you my desk. <laughs> clutter is, uh, clutter. You want clutter? Here's clutter. <laughs> okay. So much for that. <laughs> Well, live local late breaking. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Wow. And, and, and I wanted to, to, to get into, um, you know, this uh, now how we find information, like what, what is your take on sports reference? Because I, 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 I live my life in sports reference, you know, with all the sites, what, what, what's your take on how great they're doing? And, and do you think that they should be getting more recognition that because they're not getting, I mean, they're getting recognition, yes. I think, with yes, the sports I fans, yes, but I they do, should get mainstream there, recognition. There are so many good people out there uh, developing sports information and mm-hmm. making it easier to understand the past, do comparisons of past teams to present teams, uh, give history records. Uh, there's just so much info out there now because of the internet. Uh, that it, I think it makes fans capable of of getting more info, and uh, I think that's a positive for sure. Uh, I think that young people, uh, you know, it scares me that some young people don't appreciate the past. I remember mm. when I was at ESPN when Dave DeBuscher passed away. Now, mm. talk about great teams, the Nick teams with DeBuscher, yes. Bradley, <laughs> Frazier, Barnett, Willis Reed. And he was Bill the stretch. Jackson, et cetera. And he's a stretch four and could pass from yep. the from um from and a great rebounder, a great defender. Mm-hmm. Bottom line is Dave DeBuscher died. Someone in the newsroom, a PA goes, Who's Dave DeBuscher? What? Okay, well, that's a difference of errors. That's plain and simple. And I mean, unfortunately, some people don't realize what Jackie Robinson meant. Yes. Some people don't realize. I mean, I, I tell you what. You see athletes who've passed away in the last few months who I remember very well. I mean, Tony Fernandez was a hell of a shortstop. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yet, 
a lot of people go, who was Tony Fernandez? And Jim Wynn. Jim Wynn, too. The, the, you the know? Toy Cannon, of course. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been a – you know, it's been a rough year for sports too. I mean, it's you've seen a number of athletes, a number of coaches pass away, and yeah, with the pandemic and everything and the Floyd situation, what's going on? Mm-hmm. It's been a tough year for a lot of things. But yes, yes, and and keep the, going forward. That's right, absolutely. You know, and 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 look at the light at the end of the tunnel. And another person who was really such a great man when I met him, Bob Watson. Oh yeah, you know, like Bob first Watson black general manager man. to win yes. a World Series. You know, like, great, great leader. Yes, and a great, and a, a real good player too. But a great mm-hmm. leader. I think yes. that's what I remember most about him: being front office in baseball, being organized, uh, and just a good person. But unfortunately, he passed away as well, and it's it's why you got to enjoy life every day. Yes, sir. And, and it's funny, Bob Watson, funny story real quick, Birdland, the great jazz club. Sure. Uh, I remember this was a long time, definitely over two decades ago. And I went there and I, I sat in that night on trumpet with the great Bobby Watson, great oh, wow. alto saxophonist, composer, and, 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 and a good friend of mine as well. And it was so funny how Bob Watson, when I met him at Birdland, he said he was there to see Bobby Watson because he saw they had the same name and he wanted to see who wow. he was. And then that was <laughs> and that wow, was Wow, that's that's amazing. And that's when the Yanks were the defending champs. Small world. Man. Champs. Small world. <laughs> yes, he was a GM in the Yanks at that time. Very small world for sure. Wow. Here with Howie Schwab on the 22nd edition of Where They At. My name is the Bartels, and and now with Stump the Schwab, Howie. I mean, whoo, what was your favorite games for Stunt to Schwab? Because let me tell you, the creative team, you and the creative team, came up with wonderful segments. I mean, oh, just no, well, brilliant. Well, Bobby, I got to correct you on something. I had nothing to do with the questions. Oh, okay. But, but, but ideas for segments, though? The segment ideas, though, I meant. Oh, not the no, questions. But no, the not really. No. Okay, no, okay, I okay. Basically, I did not uh, have any input in that. Oh, okay, they, okay. They were, Tiffany Trigg, the executive producer. Yes, Bill yes. Katz, uh, the, the research staff. I mean, they did a great job, but I did not. You know how many people have said to me, oh, they gave you the questions. They gave you the answer. They oh, no, I, I oh, knew that. Oh, God, I, no. They, no, no, absolutely. They had security by my dressing room to make right. sure that no one came in. I mean, right. it, it, which is fine. This right. is where I got to eat my hamburger in peace. Because, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I definitely thought, like, maybe just, like, you know, the ideas, but not the oh, actual no, questions. No. Okay, okay, okay. No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. no, now I have, after Stump the Schwab, like, uh, for example, when I did the Florida Atlantic thing, mm-hmm. I wrote the whole thing. I did the whole format, uh, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, for this upcoming Quid Quick, uh, we have a team discussing it, and in the discussions, the, the decision was 10 questions, four answers, one right, three wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, make some of them hard, make some of them easy. Let's have fun. And yeah. so I've been writing and uh, I'm ready. Wow. I've been no. doing this in the next two months. And uh, I hope fans come on and enjoy oh, it. I'm, I'm sure some people who watch Stump the Schwab want to compete. Yes. Be yes. Ready, so. So, so it's great. So you get to still use the Stump the Schwab name and everything. Well, no, actually, I just, uh, I'm not sure if we're going to call it the Schwab show or what, but 
technically ESPN owns the name Stump the Schwab. Okay. Which uh, was a little controversial, but uh, it's past history. I don't Yeah. What can I say? Right, right. Because, yeah, because that's something, you know, I thought they would at least give you the liberty to be able to use it whenever. Well, they can't, they can't stop me from using the name Schwab, so that's that. Mm, right. Yeah, that, that would be that – would, that would be so wrong if they did that. That's, you know, well, it's still uh, my name. So that's I, exactly, I yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Wow. So, so Howie, but what was your favorite, what was your favorite, um, uh, segments on Stump to Schwab? What are the ones that you really liked, you know, coming well, up? Well, I, I love leading off. I love the beginning ah, where you yes, had I multiple love- answers <laughs> and I'm thinking in my head, okay, who's the easy, who's the hardest one. So I have that in my back pocket at the end. So you can it's keep like, going. Mm-hmm. It's like if they had Australian Australians who won the Australian Open. Okay, Mark Edmondson. Okay, good. Okay, I got that. All right, I have that in my back pocket. Yes. Or name the last ten Heisman Trophy winners. Okay. Okay, I got this in my head. Yeah. All right, I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Or let's say less fifteen Heisman Trophy winners, and then I throw out Jason White of Oklahoma because I think most people wouldn't remember him. Yes. So I had that in the back of my head. I would kill some of the early ones, but I'd also think – I'd try to think two or three in my head. Mm-hmm. And if people didn't say them, then spit them out and okay. But uh, that, was, that was a lot of fun, the leading off game. And then the, the final round was sometimes nerve-wracking, especially when you go up against the Nabate Isles and ah. give him three <laughs> boxing questions. I know he's, he's like uh, – Mr. Boxing. <laughs> but how, but how we, it was so funny. It, it, going back to leading off, I, I'm going to explain to the audience that don't know leading off was a segment where you had the three contestants and Howie. Um, and what they would do is like each contestant and Howie would have to name a person that fits within a category. So I'll uh, say one category on the second stump to Schwab that I was on was PGA tour golfers, male golfers that won over 30 tournaments. I remember that was the one. And I remember. Per- Hello, Tiger. Yeah, yeah. yeah right, right. And I said, and I said, Carrie Middlecoff, that was someone I had in my back pocket. And that's Dr. how. Dr. Carrie Middlecoff. You and that's I, great. you and I were the last two standing on that category. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so just to explain to the audience, yeah, what, what that was about. But yeah, that game, and I'll never forget losing on a tiebreaker. Daryl Dawkins' personal fouls, and Howie, my first answer. You know how they always say to go with your first gut? Yep. The, my first gut was wrong, but I went with my first gut, but it actually, it actually was wrong. I should have went with the second one. You know, like, oh, God. oh I, hey, I remember there was an Alvin Robertson question in a tiebreaker. Oh. I butchered it, and I got beat. If I remember right, that was the uh, – the one against the media, uh, the guy from uh, Wisconsin. Uh, but the guy, the guy beat me, and uh, he still actually has once or twice written back and reminded me he beat me. I said, I, I remember. Uh, oh, it's okay. <laughs> I totally blew the question, though, in the tiebreak. Wow. Totally blew it. And I, after I, I said, what was I thinking? But there were a couple of times I felt that after shows. One show I lost – we did four shows in a day, and by the fourth show, I was so burnt out and mm. so spent. I was like, just get me out of here. I lost. That's okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, and, and Alvin, and speaking of Alvin Robertson, Howie, like I'm going to ask you later on about underrated players in, oh, in different leagues. Yeah, yeah. That tell the audience how proficient and how dangerous of a defender great, he was. Great defender, <laughs> steals so that he led to fast breaks and, and, and big plays for his team. Uh, Alvin Robertson, a heck of a player in college too at Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, no, I think sometimes people don't appreciate those guys. They think about the James Hardens of the world and the Greek freaks and the, and the stars who are scoring. Mm-hmm. But a team that's going to be a contender needs those uh, glue guys, those guys who come through doing other things, mm-hmm. assists, steals, etc. And Alvin Robertson was a heck of a player. And the only guard to have a quadruple double as well in NBA. There you go. That's right. You know, people forget about that. People sleep. And that's why people, like you said earlier, especially the younger generation, have, they have to know their history and know these past players that set the tone for everyone that's out there today. Well, appreciate you know? them. That's the mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. But if they don't know about them, they can't appreciate them. Right. Uh, I appreciate so many different athletes who may not have. I thought about writing a book. And I started oh. researching it, and then I stopped. Why? Which was the my hundred most underrated athletes. Oh, and I was going to do, it. do, do it. it. I actually still have the the list at about seventy eight or something, and was going to do it. And I stopped. Uh, maybe I need to rethink that down the line. But yes, indeed. Yes, we'll indeed, see. sir. Yes, indeed. You got to do yeah. that. These days, doing books is not easy. I just was uh, also working with Dick Vitale and Dick Weiss, uh, a book that's going to come out in the next month or so uh, oh. on the 2020 season that wasn't. Oh, what would have happened? <coughs> oh, pardon me. Oh, it's okay. Well, what would have happened with March Madness and everything? And Oh, exactly. wow. Wow. Dick thought was going to happen with the season, and he did a bracket and did the games and we wrote about the games and we wrote about teams. It's going to be an interesting book. It's over 200 pages of good stuff for college basketball fans. Oh, I can't wait to read that. Please. Yeah. So yeah, please like definitely keep me posted and I, yep. I will look out for it. And, and, and the audience, please make sure that you all look out for that. But what's the name of the, of the book? What would be the name? Uh, it's basically the season that wasn't the season that wasn't. Wow. Well, definitely check that out. And, uh, and, and speaking of Dick Vitale, like, you guys work so well together. You're like, you're like the, the person that really makes sure that he, that he has everything he needs. You know, you're his, well, you're his coordinating producer for, for decades. And talk about the relationship with, with Dick Vitale and how infectious his persona and demeanor is. Well, Dick is one of the great human beings there is. I mean, really. What he does for cancer research is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. He's dedicated himself totally to that. Uh, this book, all his pro- proceeds are going to the V Foundation. Uh, and that says a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. Dick is a great family man, two daughters, uh, uh, several grandchildren. And, and he's just a good human being. Mm-hmm. And I know some people just say, oh, Dick Vitale is loud. He does it. Go listen to Dick Vitale when he does a game. He informs people. Oh, yes. He has his opinions. And I think he's still very, very good at what he does. He's 80 years old, and it doesn't matter. He could go till he's 100. Mm-hmm. But as far as being a human being, 
uh, one of the best there is. He and his wife, Lorraine, are amazing. They're so generous. They're working so hard for charity. Uh, the V Foundation, they've, they've poured their hearts out for this. Uh, the Dick Vital Gala is an amazing event. Uh, I know it's been pushed back this year to September, but uh, they're honoring Mark Few, Stephen A. Smith, uh, Bruce Arians, mm. Jim Kelly, Mitch Album, Pat Williams. I mean, it's, it's going to be incredible. Mm. It always is. And it raises a lot of money for cancer research. Yeah. Yeah. And people forget about uh, he's really coach Vital. You know, he, he, he coached in the sure. NBA, coached the Pistons, you know, oh, and, and sure. led Detroit to the to, uh, University of Detroit to the tournament as well. And he was at Rutgers when Rutgers was amazing. Was so, when they, yes. Yes. So, I mean, with Phil Sellers, Mike Dabney and company. It's, mm -hmm. I mean, Dick has had a great career both on the court. He's in so many Hall of Fames. I think it's 14 now. Oh. Of course, he's in the, the uh, Naismith Hall of Fame, which is the big one for him. And that's why I got to interview him back yep. in 2008. Yes, indeed. That was a great class. With him. And he I never says no to interviews, basically. He talks to everybody. He's a people person. Dick is, Dick is just great. Yes, yes, indeed. Wow. And uh, here on the 22nd edition of Where They At with the great Howie Schwab, who will be starting event, actually starting a venture, starting uh, an app uh, coming up soon, uh, which will which will be amazing in two months. And, and, and Howie, it's a win. Wins. Win quick. Win quick. W I N Q U I K. Win quick. So make yes. sure to look out for that. It's going to be an extensive sports trivia app hosted by the one and only Sultan. There, there's info right now on Clickstream. Mm -hmm. Clickstream. Clickstream is the company, is the company. that's doing it, and uh, we're going to have a good time with it. We've had good times in meetings, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, yes, indeed. And now we're going to go into modern sports and and after that we're going to talk about underrated players but now uh major league baseball first the 2020 season i mean there's there's always complications it's a it's complicated relationships you know between the players association and well the owners, you know <laughs> so you know how it is when someone says it's complicated you know but but will we see a 2020 season or 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 will it not happen because of of a lot of um, differences between both sides. As of today, I'm very concerned about this because uh, there is a gap in opinion. When the owners came out with this sliding scale of, of what they wanted to pay, mm -hmm. Garrett Cole goes from around $38 million to about seven. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. Uh, yes. If you're playing an 82-game schedule, that's half a season. Half of 35 or 37 18 and a half. Oh, no, we'll give you seven. Uh, if I were Gary Cole, I'd be upset. Mm -hmm. uh, if I were players, Mike Trout, I mean, uh, you, there's a reason why you're getting paid a lot of money. Now, granted, it's a half a season. They already agreed to take a major pay cut. And now you're trying to tell them, oh, we're going to cut $30 million. Uh, I can understand the player's side. Then mm -hmm. again, I can understand the owner's side, because they're not going to have full houses by any stretch. They're going to not have the money they would raise from parking, from other revenues, from shirt jersey sales, from food sales, from everything. Uh, the TV money would be less, too. 
so now owners are saying, wait a second here. If we don't play the season, we're going to lose some money. If we do play the season, we're going to lose more money. So now they don't have an incentive to play the season. They're, they're like, hey. And meanwhile, the players are like, wait a second here. We already gave back. Now you want us to give back more? That's not right. And, and so we're in a really tough situation. Personally, if they don't play the season, they don't play the season, we'll figure something else to do. And football will roll around before you know it. We're already getting into June. I mean, think about that. Yeah. April and May, no baseball. Guess what? Did we survive? Uh, mm-hmm. I think so. Mm-hmm. Most people. I know it's frustrating, but uh, Major League Baseball has to realize both sides that one of the key things is the fans. If you want to disappoint the fans, don't get to settle. Mm-hmm. Once again, disappoint the fans because the fans have been really interested, like with NBA, with the NFL and the NBA. Yeah. And now baseball has another problem because basketball and hockey are going to come back and cut into their, their excitement anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have playoffs, people love the playoffs. And when hockey and basketball are back in July and August, people are not going to say, oh, we miss baseball because we have other sports going on. Boxing will be back. UFC is back. Mm-hmm. Uh, WNBA will be back. Probably. I mean, mm-hmm. so all of a sudden now, and I'm not comparing WNBA to baseball, don't get me wrong, but bottom line is people find other things to do and go, okay, we baseball see it. And then they'll have to get back uh, next year and hope to get fans back. And some fans will be like, oh, you let us down. Why are we coming back? It'll be like when there were strike years. It took a while, took like a year and a half to get baseball back to where it was. Mm-hmm. So I, I think baseball's in a dangerous situation right now. I'm hoping they can figure this out and meet halfway and give us 82 games and, and go on. And I think the Yankees had a legit shot to win. And as a Yankee fan, that would be great. But right now, I think they have a major problem. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not going to be easy. Yeah, no, it's not at all. And, and, and that's the thing. And with the NBA, what do you think the approach should be? Because the NHL is doing it perfectly, having 12 teams from each conference. You have the 5 to 12 seeds go, go right into the playoffs. The 5 to 12 seeds will play each other. And then, of course, the top four seeds are on a bye for that round. I yep. love that scenario. What should the NBA do? Because we don't know what they are going to do. The, the, the GMs did vote on going straight to the playoffs one to 16, but I think they need to make it more interesting when you got exciting teams like New Orleans that, and Washington, if John Wall comes back, that that can make a move in a playing round. They can. Uh, first, let me start with hockey. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I think hockey is okay with what they're doing, but I think there was also some financial reasons for doing 24 teams. They wanted the Blackhawks, Canadians, and Rangers in the playoffs. And this way you get three bigger market teams in their countries. And I think that played a huge part in this. If those teams were not going to be in the playoffs and they did 16 teams, I think there would be a little less interest. Uh, Now that you have those teams, and I think that also helps the TV uh, people because now you have those – uh, big markets in there still. 
Uh, how long they go, we don't know. But uh, bottom line is, yes, I think the 24-team thing, you're trying to salvage the season, basically. You've played so much of the year. So at least you're, you're salvaging it. The NBA, uh, I have mixed feelings. I personally think they should go right to 16 and start the playoffs. Okay. But uh, the idea of coming back for a few games just so that you had games, I think is ridiculous. Exactly. The Knicks are not making the playoffs. Why are you bothering? Right. Why right. are you risking someone getting hurt? Why are you risking anything with the pandemic? Mm-hmm. Why? I mean, it doesn't make sense. And it's more uh, dense, case, more density, you know, in the area. Yeah. And I remember Portland saying, uh, Damian Lillard saying, I'm not playing unless the games have a meaning. Uh, and right now, I don't think they will. I, I don't think they're going to. I think they need to get back. First of all, they need to get everybody back in practice. Uh, most of the teams have reopened facilities a little bit. Yeah. But that's a lot different than a team practice where 12 guys are going at it. A lot different. And you don't know which guys are in playing shape and which guys are not. Yep. You'll find out. I mean, some guys have gone on TV like Patrick Beverly and said, oh, I've been working out. I'm ready. But you have to see. I mean, when you haven't played for two months, I will say this also. I think this break helps LeBron James a lot. Exactly. he was – while he was great, uh, you know, when you're talking 90 to 100 games before the season ends, there's going to be a wear and tear. Now he had the two months off, and let's say he doesn't have to play the last eight games or whatever the number was. Uh, okay, now you're getting to the playoffs, and he should be ready. This should help him physically, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, uh, there are going to be a lot of factors involved in this. Uh, but as a fan of sports, you want to see the NBA and NHL back. You want to see baseball back. You want to see football, NFL start on time. You want to see college football start on time. Uh, I think there are still a lot of questions about that. Uh, College football, at least they're trying to get the teams back in. But a practice with 80 players or 90 players. It's not a good look. That's not good in a pandemic, folks. Yeah. So they got to be very careful. Uh, yes. Wear your helmet and wear a mask. Okay, sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, and there's so many questions we don't know about this thing that it's it's very scary. That's why I know personally I wear a mask out. I, I try to be very careful. Yes. And, you know, I, you see some of the rioting with the George Floyd stuff. Oh. And unfortunately, you see a lot of people out there without masks. And they're in a large group, and you're like, oh, my God, is this going to affect the world again? I mean, yeah, a lot of questions in the world, Nabate, a lot of questions. Oh, my goodness. But, but yeah, but, but now, oh, now, Holly, I want to now, you talked about underrated, we talked about underrated players earlier. I was, I'm going to give you different positions from different sports, just okay. random. So it'll be a quick random thing. And you can say now like you're making maybe, me think. Okay. <laughs> yes, sir. And then you can say something briefly about why. Okay, Guillermo pers- Vilas in tennis. How's that? <laughs> okay. Oh. I thought he was, he, hey, he hey, played with I was, was going to ask you tennis. Oh my God. Okay, right. <laughs> there you go. So yeah, that's the first one. Yep. Back, back in the days of Connors and Borg and even McEnroe at the end, uh, coming in a little bit. Guillermo Vilas was a hell of a player. Yes. And I remember being at Madison Square Garden 
seeing a, a tournament where it was Guillermo Vilas and Jimmy Connors. Mm -hmm. They were both number one. They were like co-number ones in the world. And that was incredible. Yes. And Guillermo Vilas never got the kind of publicity, probably because he was more of a clay court guy. Right. But he was a whale. Of, unfortunately, he lost to Manuel Arantes at the U.S. Open. If he had won that match, I think he would have gotten more respect. Uh, mm -hmm. But Guillermo Vilas was a heck of a player. And he, he won, uh, did he win an Australian French? He didn't win at Wimbledon or US Open, but he won Australian and French, he, he right? Won the French, yes. That, the French, just the French. Okay, right, right. So great. Wow. So now, next, next. Boxing. Which boxer does not get the recognition that he deserves or she? Wow. Well, thinking back now, possibly Larry Holmes. Because okay. when you think about heavyweight champs, obviously people talk Tyson and people talk Ali, rightfully so. But Larry Holmes beat a lot of decent fighters uh, yeah. over the years. Mm -hmm. Go look at the Holmes-Norton fight, for example. Oh. Uh, go look at uh, a guy Sha like Ernie Shaver. Oh, it's not yeah. easy. Mm-hmm. The Mike Weaver fight wasn't easy. I mean, yeah. uh, but La Larry Holmes was a heck of a champion for longevity. Um, I think in the lower weights, wow, there's so many guys. And, and one thing quick about Larry Holmes, the only knockout in his career, the only TK, the only KO loss was the Mike Tyson. Tyson, yeah. yeah, yeah. Never, never fourth, been knocked fourth out. Fourth round, fourth. if I remember right. Yes, fourth round. Yes, yeah. sir. Mm-hmm. Uh, Diego Corrales. Oh, Chico. Yeah. How about oh, how about sorry. him? Because Power. all his fights were exciting. He had, right. He fought so many good. I mean, you know, it's funny. People talk about Floyd May Mayweather's greatness. Mm -hmm. I want to make a point about Floyd Mayweather's greatness. Earlier on in his career, he fought guys like Gennaro Hernandez. Yes. And he fought a lot of good fighters and beat them. His record is not just beating uh, good fighters at the end, but he had good fighters on the way up. That's right. That I don't think he always gets credit for. That's right. Chico Corrales so, and Castillo, Jose Luis Castillo. Yep. 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 So uh, I throw those out. Wow. I mean, there are, probably, there are probably a million others I should throw out. Uh, I don't count Scott Ledoux, don't worry. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, now, now, okay, I'm going to give you different positions now, like maybe eight different positions this course. Okay, fire away. Um, NHL defenseman, like a defenseman that's underrated, that hasn't gotten the, the credit that he deserves and was greater than he's remembered for. Well, I, I don't know if Paul Coffey counts because he got a lot of credit yeah. in Edmonton. And it was a good score. But today, I don't think people talk about Paul Coffey at all. So mm. maybe if you reflect back, uh, Den Dennis Potvin was clearly a great defender, and a, a good leader on those Islander teams, mm. uh, and a Hall of Famer. But I, I don't know that people necessarily gave him that. Again, the difference in errors, you don't know that – Back then, people respected guys like that. But today, I don't know that they're talked about very much. Mm. And they were great players. So I, I, 
I guess I'd answer it that way. Uh, maybe a Brad Park back in mm. the 70s for the Rangers. Yes. He was a very good defenseman, but the Rangers didn't win the cup. And so Brad Park may, maybe falls behind a Larry Robinson, a, a Guy Lafleur, a Bobby Orr, whatever. But mm-hmm. Brad Park was a, a very good defenseman. Wow, that's a, that's the name from the uh, blast of the past, and 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 then late little later on, Greshner, Ron Greshner sure. for the Rangers. Yes, indeed. So number and, four, and not just because he uh, married Carol Alt, you know, not yeah, just I was, that. I was thinking <laughs> that I, yeah, I left that out. Well, now, um, okay, point guard, NBA point guard that that doesn't get the recognition and, and you can even go to any era. That's a good point about going to an era where, where, where maybe, you know, it's funny that, that you and I remember or even someone older, you know, but, but not know now who a, a great point guard would be. Wow. Well, one of the first names I think about uh, is John Stockton because even though John Stockton holds records, even though John John Stockton was incredible and Stockton and Malone was one of the best duos ever, in my opinion. And yet John Stockton maybe didn't get the same publicity as some of the guys get today. Uh, John Stockton was incredible. Yeah, he was in the Hall of Fame, but uh, I think publicity-wise or respect I think other players respected him, but I don't think fans necessarily give him enough credit for all he accomplished. Yeah. Very, yeah, very, very uh, quiet personality. Very, you know, just, just meat and potatoes guy did his job, yep. but his assist records, like they stand, they, that's how he's known. You can see like the assist lines. Oh, John Stockton, 13 assists a game, 11 assists a game. <laughs> you know, and like, in the and playoffs, we, too. Yeah. He was always big in the playoffs. Right. Even though, even though they didn't win. But uh, I give John Stockton a lot of credit. Yeah, his assistant still record, uh, career records will never be broken for sure. Um, now, in baseball, uh, center fielder. Center fielder who is over, excuse me, underrated, and especially in the rich history of Major League Baseball. Wow. Yeah, you could throw a lot out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny. One of the first names that just popped in my head was Devon White. But yes, yes, he was underrated for what he did. That's right. Two I mean, times. Just, just think of outfielders like Lloyd Mosby was underrated. In my yeah, opinion. those Toronto guys. But, uh, I mean, oh god, there's so many guys. In a way, Johnny Damon was underrated. Yes, who I had on the 11th episode of Where They At. Yes, indeed. Uh, I mean, there are so many guys you could throw out there. And another Uh, Toronto outfielder, Vernon Wells. Vernon Wells is a very good one. Yep. Mm -hmm. Hit for power. Yes. Great arm. Yep. No, it's – you can argue about a lot of different players. I feel like I should pull up the list of the uh, underrated players I I put down and – Ah. I'm not thinking about it right now, but, uh, you know, like I said earlier, in a way, Hank Aaron was underrated, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Most people mm-hmm. would say, oh, no way, uh, the home run record. But he did so many different things. That's right. 305 but, career batting average, yep. you know? Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. That's You don't see very much of that anymore, guys getting out with 300 averages. So. Mm-hmm. 
That's right. Wow. Now other positions. Now let me. Okay. Now NFL cornerbacks, underrated cornerbacks, guys that 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 were really had those moments that they were shut down for like a good four, five, six, seven year period, something like that. Someone like Willie Brown, I don't think. Uh, oh overall now gets the same due that he used to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think because of time, uh, but Willie Brown was a great, great player. Yes, yes indeed. And had and some undrafted, great years. Undrafted. Yep. Too. And, and was special at key times. So uh, I throw his name out there. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, uh, mo- another from the NFL, uh, NFL uh, tight ends underrated tight ends. I think there's a name you may mention that I'm thinking about for sure. Well, I don't know that Tony Gonzalez is underrated because he's up there in rankings, but uh, underrated. Mark Bavaro. Exactly. Giants. That's who I was thinking about. Mark Bavaro. Rambo. Yep. <laughs> he was yep. so crucial to those uh, those successful teams. That's right. And, and uh, complete. As complete as they come. Like Gronkowski is really, Gronkowski is another Bavaro, in my yep. opinion. Well, you know what's funny? You mentioned Mark Bavaro, but as an old-time Giant fan, Bob Tucker was a heck of a tight end. Right. And yes. Joe Fan doesn't know who Bob Tucker was. Mm-hmm. But Bob Tucker was a great wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, great tight end, rather. And so I'll throw him out there, too. Right, right. And another, another guy uh, who is not – Jerry Smith, too. Jerry Smith was a, you know? a great tight end, too. Yeah. yeah. No. There, you know, the thing about sports, there are so many great players – that people forget about after a while because of time. Mm-hmm. And if you look back to the 70s and 80s, or even the 60s, I mean, so many important athletes that have made a difference in sports. I mean, it's, it's incredible. That's absolutely no question. And uh, I'll come up with one more for you. Let me see which league. Uh, I'll do Major League Baseball again, the catcher position. Uh, one underrated guy was Jerry Grody of the Mets. Mm-hmm. Now, I, yeah. I'm throwing out a bunch of New Yorkers because of my background and my experience. Mm-hmm. But uh, Jerry Grody uh, was a very solid player. He wasn't always flashy. He wasn't Johnny Bench. But Jerry Grody was a, a solid, solid catcher. So I throw him out. Maybe I should throw some other teams out. Oh, yeah. Mike Socia was a pretty good catcher, especially defensively. Yeah. When he was catching for the Dodgers. Right. And I I think people just realize him as the angel manager more than they realize he was a catcher. That's right. Uh, Joe Torre was a good catcher. That's right. Tremendous. Atlanta. Mm -hmm. He was a very good catcher as well. I don't know that people realize that. They realize him as a manager. They realize him as a baseball executive they realize him as a brave they realize him as a lot of things and and he was the third baseman third base when he won the mvp when he won the mvp award right right and so i mean it's interesting when names pop in your head yeah and another guy that that i didn't really know much about until i you know i was doing my research and everything many sanguine too oh man yeah yeah pirates and then 
he was traded to the A's. That was kind of interesting too. <laughs> yeah, it's indeed. That's it's it's always fascinating to go through the history. Throw Tony Pena in there too. Oh, yep. Tony Pittsburgh Pena orders. throwing guys out from his knees. Oh, yes, yes. The best. He perfected catching. Yes, no, his, he was he was super athleticism. Like him and Pudge defensively, probably the yep. most talented defensive. Uh, catchers in the history of the game, both of them, when it, yep. when the things they could do well, and Pudge, well, Yvonne Rodriguez. There's the other Pudge, Johnny Bench, who was a great yep. defensive player too. But sure. Yvonne Rodriguez is who yep. talking about. Yeah. Um. Wow. Now, Howie, Mount Rushmore. You know, a lot of Mount Rushmores and everything like that. And and I'm going to now, and you'll just name four names. I'm going to name a few teams and colleges too, okay. and colleges too as well. That that you think for um that you can name four players that really ex- that accentuates the greatness for each team. So here we okay. go. It's just random. Just real Put random. Put me on the spot. Go for it. <laughs> All right. First, uh, first I will go, what about Minnesota Vikings since we're going through what's happened in Minneapolis? You know, okay, Minnesota well, Vikings. That, that's easier because Fran Tarkenton would be right up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would put uh, – from the purple people eaters, I'd probably put Jim Marshall up there. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I would possibly put Chuck Foreman up there. Okay. A uh, couple of the wide receivers, maybe. Uh, no Alan Page? Oh, yeah, of course. Alan Page <laughs> or Carl Eller <laughs> would be right mm-hmm. up there, of course. I mentioned people, purple people eaters, and I mentioned Marshall, but there's Alan Page would be right there, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe it's because I saw the clip of the Marshall. Uh, Running wrong, wrong way, run the other day, and that <laughs> popped in my head. But uh, and two hundred. Oh yeah, no, that's and then Bud Grant would be up there because as the coach. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt, and and also people forget Jim Marshall. What was it? Two hundred eighty-two straight games. Yep. At at the defensive line, that's yep. that's incredible. Yeah. Two eighty-two. I mean, wear and tear. Yeah. No. It's yeah. When you're in the trenches amazing. like that, oh, it's amazing. Injury possibilities. Right. Knees, everything. Yeah. No. What about Florida State Seminoles? Charlie Ward, because he won, won Heisman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Warwick Dunn. Yes. Uh, you know who was great but didn't translate in the pros was Peter Warwick. Oh, my goodness. He was, he was unstoppable. Yeah. And then let me see which defensive guy would I throw in there. Derek Brooks, I think was mm-hmm. Florida State. Yeah, yes, sir. So uh, I'll throw those four out for now, and I'm sure I'm missing 10 others. <laughs> Cal Ripken wasn't there, so that's good. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, also, there are two guys that made me become a Florida State fan in 1988 by the name of Deion Sanders and Leroy Butler. <laughs> those yeah, are the I, I, you know what? I would put Deion Sanders in there above a couple of the four I put in. You're right. Yeah, I should have thrown Deion Sanders in there. But. Oh, good. It's just no, hey, just you're just, just throwing it off the top of your head quickly. <laughs> no, uh, I'll give you uh, two more. I'll give you two more. Um, what well, three more? Three more? Three more? NHL. We'll go to NHL now. Um, whoo, there's teams like that have had major history, but I'll I'll give a team that's had great history. Re- not recently, but within the last four decades or so. And I interviewed Grant Fear in the last episode. I know, I know where Edmonton, you're going. Edmonton Oilers. Well, that's easy. Wayne Gretzky first. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
uh, Grant Fuhrer, Paul Coffey, and either Yari Curry or Glenn Anderson. Okay, okay. No, Mess? Messier? Or Messi, it would be up there too. You're right. I mean, that's that's interesting. You could go five or six deep easily and argue about it. But yeah, I guess Messier would be in there too. Yeah. I guess if I had to do four, okay, I'll do Gretzky, Coffee, Grant Fuhrer, and Messier. Mm, okay, okay. And and for uh, NBA. Sorry, Glenn Anderson. Sorry, Aaron Curry. <laughs> no, for the NBA, um, we saw the last dance. So I'm sure two of the players you can easily name for the Chicago Bulls, but who would be the other two? Okay. Pippen and Jordan clearly are up there. I'm going to throw a name out there. It's going to shock you. Oh. Bob Love. Oh, no. That's not a shock. He was, he was great for them. Yes. He was great. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the other one I'll throw out there is Dennis Rodman because Dennis Rodman wow. was an important player on those teams. And, I mean, you can go back Norm Van Leer. You can go back Jerry Sloan. You can go back Chet Walker. Chet Walker. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of guys. But D. Rose, too, who's current, more current, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, I, I, I would definitely put Bob Love in there. And I don't think people remember Bob Love either. I mean, yeah. Bob Love was a great player for the Bulls. Very versatile. Very versatile player for them. Yes, indeed. Well, and what was your take on the last dance and everything on, on uh, production and, and everything and the hype with it? I did not watch as much of it as a lot of other people did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm glad that it gave ESPN something to put on that got ratings. Uh, I lived through a lot of it, so uh, it was fine. I was spending more time watching movies with my wife than I was watching that. But mm-hmm. uh, uh I, I think it was interesting. It, it raised some interesting topics. Um, the fact that Michael Jordan had control of it, uh, I think is a little disconcerting, but that's okay. Uh, it was interesting for fans and uh, it got a, a good reaction. So more power to him. And, and the good thing that, that, the good thing, I even I, I know what you mean about Mike controlling it for sure, but the good thing, there were two good things that came out of it. You know, we never see Mike fully with his personality out there, out open the way he, you know, he was emotional at times, anger, sadness, you know, everything like that. And, and reflection was really interesting. But then the second thing I liked was that all what he was getting, whatever money he was getting from that doc, all went to charity, which is beautiful. Yep. How he passed it along, you know. Yeah. So. No, that's true. Uh, he's made enough money from Nike, so you don't have to worry. But yep. uh, I don't think he's going to be hungry anytime soon. But uh, <laughs> the other thing that was interesting about that, uh, some people felt that they didn't know about how he was to make other players better, mm-hmm. and I've heard that several times from several people that he was so driven and so, so had such a work ethic and wanted his player, his team to be better. And by being so rough in practice and getting in your face, that helped make players better. Mm-hmm. And a lot of players have talked about how important he was to the success of the team because of his, his practice demeanor. That's and, right. and you saw some of that. Uh, I get it. Uh, I think it helped. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Because when you don't go through the fire and practice, how will you be able to prepare when you're in a real situation? 
you know, absolutely. Um, and, and now two more teams I'm going to name, two of the greatest franchises probably in North American sports history. First, the New York Yankees. <laughs> You're Mount Rushmore. <laughs> Ruth, Gehrig, Mantle, and then the fourth is going to be, wow. I mean, it could be a lot of players. So uh, let's go. You know what? I, even though I'm sure there are others, I'm going to say Thurman Munson for oh. what he was as a catcher. No, but you know what? That's not fair because Elson Howard, Yogi Berra, yeah. you can argue. Bill Dickey, too. About that. <laughs> uh, Ruth Mantle Garrigan. Oh, I'm sure the fourth one is going to drive now, me crazy that I didn't say it. Now, would it be Dimaggio? Maybe a Whitey Ford. Or maybe, or Dimaggio or Jeter. Oh, hello, Dimaggio, of course. Dimaggio, but, thank you. Okay, okay, but G- would Jeter have a chance? No, not against, not really. no. Okay. Dimaggio and the others. Uh, why didn't I just say Dimaggio? Of course. Just think <laughs> retired numbers. Hello. <laughs> the, that's right. The most Number retired hunt numbers in North American sports, I think. The most. The yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and, one, and one last one. Uh, well, you know what? There are other two franchises in the NBA I'll ask you real quick, but Montreal Canadiens. Montreal Canadiens. Both were shards. Yes. Uh, Guy Lafleur. Mm-hmm. And I'll throw Ken Dryden in there. Ooh. And guess you know what's crazy? They had Jack Plant and Patrick Waugh, yeah. too. Yep, it's like... yep sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah, defenseman Larry Robinson, Gila Point. Oh. I mean, then you go back to the on old, old, old. There are oh. other guys. I mean, Chris so Chelios, Chelios, too. Like, it's... Oh, you can go back to Hall of Famers and Doug Harvey. That's you, can right. to, you can go back to so many. I mean, this. When you talk about franchise like that, so I mean, Yvonne Cornway was a hell of a player too. Yes, yes, and I indeed. think just to drop below Richard. Wow, just all just good. amazing, amazing, and, and then now the two NBA franchises, which is the Boston Celtics and the Los Angeles Lakers, each each of them on Rushmore. Wow. Before we go, Celtics first name would be Bill Russell. Second name would be Bob Cousy. Mm-hmm. Uh. I don't think Charmin quite makes it. Uh, Larry Bird clearly makes it three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to pull a Cal Ripken on that one. <laughs> uh, and then the fourth, Dave Cowens doesn't quite make it. Uh, Casey Jones, or I mean, a lot of, who am I leaving out from the Bill Russell teams? God. There's so many guys. Uh, I'm thinking of one gentleman who recently passed away, unfortunately, within the past year. John Havlicek. Yes, Hondo. Yes, yes. That's a good one, too. I mean, there's, again, so many guys in that history of that franchise. And we might have had Lynn Bias if Lynn Bias was But unfortunately, drafted by the Celtics and then passed away. Terribly, but yeah, and uh, KG if he got there earlier in his career, if KG got there possibly, earlier, yeah, yeah, yeah that's fair. Know, I think most people KG because he played so long in Minnesota would that's right. go Minnesota than Celtics, though. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Four right. uncut gems. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I, I didn't see that. I, I kind of have a bad feeling about it. <laughs> so you should. I'm okay. kind of running well. out of films. <laughs> I'm such a film snob. That's why. You know? there you go. <laughs> so and and the Los and the Los Angeles Lakers. Last but not least, purple and gold. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go a little different here. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go old school first. Jerry West, Elgin Baylor, Will Chamberlain, mm-hmm. Magic, Kobe. Okay, so be five instead. Okay, okay, okay. How's no. that five? That's pretty good, no? Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I mean, I, got, I didn't have Shaq. I didn't have... And the Skyhook, too. Oh, yeah, of course, <laughs> Kareem. But, well, I, I guess I went Wilt over Kareem, but no, Kareem will. It's a toss-up. Mm-hmm. It's a, you can go either way. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, just, and that's what's beautiful. How and we like... Wilt was so long with the Philadelphia Warriors and stuff. And the but, Sixers uh, after that, yep. Yeah, so you could make an argument, Kareem, over Wilt. It's, it's a great debate. Yeah. Uh, and you can argue, some people may argue against Jerry West, which would be ridiculous, but... Right. Uh, it's the reason he was the logo, you know? Yeah, and Howie. Well, and what frustrates me is how people say he only won one championship. Um, He still dropped over 30 a game in the finals every year. Like, it wasn't like... He just... When you run into the Celtics, who had more talent overall... Or he, the Knicks. Uh, yeah, or the Knicks. The Knicks. Uh, right, the balanced Knicks. Like, him and Elgin were were pretty dominant. And they did, and they always showed up. So Elgin Baylor was incredible, and yet, so, you know what? If someone was doing a, a, a five for, and I threw five out instead of four, yeah, I know Mount Rushmore's four. Oh well, I cheated. <laughs> uh, people would probably go Kareem, and, and uh, Wilt would go West, and either probably Kobe or Magic. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. and therefore Baylor would be left out, and that's why it's really interesting when you t- you argue about top four Mount Rushmore, you can really argue six easily in this group. That's right, and that's the tradition they have. And and Howie, speaking of your book of underrated players, which you got, you gotta get that out. That I think that would be. That would be amazing. And, and I think if it's a list, Elgin would be top five easily in all the sports. Elgin Baylor. Elgin would be in there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. So, so Howie, wow. So win quick, W-I-N-Q-U-I-K. That is win quick, and that is the app, sports trivia app, that will be coming out via Clickstream. They will come out with that app, and Mr. Howard Schwab will be the host, and also one of the hosts, Brian Baldinger, and I. Oh, okay, one of the hosts, but also one of the creators uh, of the content for sure. Yep. And check that out for sure. I'm definitely downloading it, no question. And you get to win prizes um, when you when you're able to play. And like how we say, answer ten questions in a row, you'll be eligible for prizes for sure and money too. So, and it's good to have. It's good to be able to help you delve into history, into sports history, and, and to sharpen, sharpen your, 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 your sports trivia knife, for sure. <laughs> hey, it's a lot of fun. You put me on the spot a few times, so it's good. Oh, oh no. It's all good. Hey, hey. I know, like definitely, because because I respect your knowledge. You're, you're definitely, absolutely the brightest sports mind I've ever spoken to, and that's well, that's real talk. And and I was so honored to be on your show, uh, Stump the Schwab, and 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 
Wow, just an honor that that we're still friends to this day. Well, I appreciate what you do, Nabate. Not only your musical talent, but your sports talent and what you're doing with this podcast is great. You've had some great guests beside it. I'm not calling myself a great guest. Don't get me wrong. Oh, no, you are. Uh, But uh, bottom line is it's been really a lot of fun. I've enjoyed this and all the best to your family. Stay safe and God bless. Thank you all for listening to the 22nd edition of Where They At. My name is Nabate Isles, and what an honor to have the great Howie Schwab, star of Stump the Schwab, one of the great minds when it comes to sports trivia, when it comes to sports research, as well as production, too. And what's great about him is his positivity and humility. That is what really makes him stand out, and I'm proud for him to be a friend of mine, for sure. So now, if you want to hear more episodes of Where They At, make sure to subscribe and or follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, as well as check out my show on the Contropolis Radio Network too, as well. They stream my show on Monday nights, every Monday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time, as well as you can check out any episode too on Contropolis as well. But make sure to please subscribe and or follow and rate the show too. That'll help me out as you will hear more episodes featuring prolific individuals in the world of sports and also too i have 22 episodes in the can which is amazing so if you if you're just listening to where they're at you have a lot of catching up to do but it will be all worth it and if you like the music that you heard it's from my album eclectic excursions which you can hear on N-A-B-A-T-E-I-S-L-E-S.com. That's nabateisles.com, where you can be able to see links where you can download it and or stream it. So there's so much that I've been able to do in music and in sports. I'm very blessed to be involved in both worlds. Remember everybody, please be safe, be healthy, and please listen to each other especially listen to the cause that we're all protesting about. Please listen to that because it's real and and have an understanding for each other. That's really important as we go through these tense times and see the light at the end of the tunnel. Take care, everybody. Once again, I'm the Bateals. Be well. God bless. Bye-bye.